This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, this is Liz. This is Heather. And on this week's episode, we are hitting the book club again. We are doing the book Red Rising by Pierce Brown. Please be aware it is full of spoilers and all of our thoughts on this book. All right, hit that music. up to Liz? Well, I feel like I've been podcasting my ass off the last couple of days. Um, you and I got together a few days ago and recorded our Doctor Who episode that should be out now. And then yesterday, I actually got together with some of our awesome friends, our castaway friends to do a new game show that is being sponsored by everything I learned from movies. So Stephen Izzy, which you guys you guys met at uh, yes. the one of those Comic Cons, Silicon I Valley. I'm going to go to yeah, an art show that she's at. Well, an uh, art, uh, it's not kind of an art show, art, like where you sell, artists sell things, not necessarily just a gallery. Like a market, yeah. Yes, that's what I Yeah, wondering. so she was she was actually not a part of this because she was actually at a show yesterday, but I got together with Steve and Brent from Home Video Hustle and Mario from the Superiority Complex, and we did a fun recasting so the the game show is going to be called cast away which is fun (laughs) and we did a recasting of uh james bond and who would we pick for director you know actors blah 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 and then our title and like the kind of the basic plot of our new movie that we've made and that was so much fun so that is going to be coming out i think the beginning of november so like a couple weeks from now i can't wait to listen to it yeah Yeah, this one's actually going to be really fun because we did it draft style and um, it's actually going to go up for vote on Twitter, Facebook and the EILFM Patreon page. So people can actually have three different chances to vote on whether my movie, Brent's movie or Mario's movie should, you know, get made kind of thing. So that'll be a lot of fun. And then here we are again, podcasting. Yep, that sounds Yeah. Yep, we are podcasting. (laughs) I also made you repeat the story once because I forgot to press nah, record. It so happens. It really feels like you've been recently podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like, I haven't even, I haven't moved any kind of thing from my setup because I just keep coming back and here we go again. But that's, it's, you know, that's fun. We're getting into the winter months where we can actually, you know, sit down a little bit and get a plan going and have some more shows more often. Yeah. Hopefully. Um, like September was crazy for both of us, as you heard in the last episode, things are starting to die down a little bit. So we have a little yes. bit more time. Um, I went to the Northern California Renaissance Fair yesterday. How was that? It was interesting. Now I am, uh, I've become a Ren Fair snob because of the Texas Renaissance Festival. So. Right. Well, it's it was the best. much, much smaller. <laughs> uh, 
it was cute. There was a lot of cute things there. And there was a lot of like, a lot more sexual innuendo, which surprised me because I thought that you couldn't get much more than the Texas Renaissance uh, fest- festival. Well, they do. They do pretend to be family friendly. Yeah. Well, except for there's the guy going, eat my salty nuts in the back. And, <laughs> and you know, I mean, just this, this one, I went and ordered a drink. And Craig likes this drink where you mix like, um, uh, it's, it's like a snake bite cider and beer. And so they had something similar to it called Mudder's Milk. And it was like a cider and a beer, but they poured honey meat over the top of it. And so I said, let's try mm. that, you know, because it sounds good. So we order it. And then they, the bar wench, she calls herself that. I have to mm-hmm. accept it. It's the Ren Fair. <laughs> <laughs> so the bar wench makes Craig hold his hand in some handcuffs that are over the bar. And so only like, and and drink as she pours the mead into the cup and then says all kinds of double entendres about, you know, lots of head and whatnot like that. Wow. And, and swallow and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wow, this is the first drink of the day. That was a little fresh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I hope you got a video of that. <laughs> no, I, I, it, was, uh, it was crazy, though. Anyway, that was actually in the family-friendly area. And and then I went into the 21 and older area. This is after I'd done some shopping and stuff. But really, I walked through it once in less than an hour, which is impossible at Texas Rand Fair. Mm-hmm. I walked through it and then kind of got my bearings and looked at some stuff and saw, and watched some of the live things. But then there was like this 21 and older area. And I thought, what is in there? We went in there and it was uh, it was just like a little bar. And they had... The entertainment in there was called the Merry Wives of Windsor, and they were just singing naughty songs. It was cute. That's fun. Yep. Yeah, you definitely can't get through the Texas Run Fest in uh, an hour. I don't think you can get through the gate in an hour, it seems. It takes that long to walk through the parking lot. Yeah, I've seen some really fun pictures this year. You know, our friend Mandy over at Caster Quest is there every year on the pirate ship. And actually, our friend Miss Jenny Kelly, who works with me on Geeks of the Galaxy, is actually the official videographer of the Renfest this year, oh, fun. which is super cool. Yeah, she just uh, she just posted a costume that she bought, and it's like a Renaissance Wonder Woman costume, oh, with like cool. a corset and everything. It's super cool, so I can't wait to see that one, like in action. I can't wait to either. All right, that's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, what are we talking about today? Okay. Well, we're finally getting to our book club, Red Rising by Pierce Brown. Yay. Is it Pierce Brown? Yeah, it is Pierce I Brown. Wrote it down. So this this book, this uh, Pierce Brown. By the way, I googled him. He's a little nugget. He's adorable. Is he? Yeah. Nice. Anyway, nice. I don't know if he is like uh, you know a nice person, but he's he's a pretty good looking guy. Meh. That's all right. <laughs> Gotta have yeah. something. He's I guess. young though. Is he? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll get into we'll get into some of my thoughts about the uh the age of this book and the characters in it as we go. So, um I decided that you know, as as everyone knows, we are absolute shit at doing summaries of any kind. So, I yes. figured I would just take the one uh from the publisher that was on Amazon and read that instead so we don't spend, you know, an hour saying we're doing a summary and then just talking through like every chapter of the book. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So is this, does this have, oh, by the way, spoilers alert people. Oh, yeah. Lots of spoilers. Uh, we we can't talk about a book without basically ruining it. About the so. book, yeah. It's <laughs> so if you hard. haven't read it, pause, go yeah. read it, grab it from the library, get an audiobook, whatever you like to do, read it, and then come back. 
Yep. We got your download already, so you can come back later. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So here is the summary. And again, I just pulled this directly off of the Amazon page for this book. I live for the dream that my children will be born free, she says, that they will own the land their father gave them. I live for you, I say sadly. Eo kisses my cheek. Then you must live for more. Darrow is a red, a member of the lowest caste in the color-coded society of the future. Like his fellow reds, he works all day, believing that he and his people are making the surface of Mars livable for future generations. Yet he toils willingly, trusting that his blood and sweat will one day result in a better world for his children. But Darrow and his kind have been betrayed. Soon he discovers that humanity reached the surface generations ago. Vast cities and lush wilds spread across the planet. Darrow and Reds like him are nothing more than slaves to a decadent ruling class. Inspired by a longing for justice and driven by the memory of lost love, Darrow sacrifices everything to infiltrate the legendary Institute, a proving ground for the dominant Red caste, where the next generation of humanity's overlords struggle for power. He will be forced to compete for his life against the best and most brutal of society's ruling class. There, he will stop at nothing to bring down his enemies, even if it means he has to become one of them to do so. So yeah, that's a much better, shorter summary than what we would have done. Yeah, that's a really good short summary. They didn't talk about, um, obviously, how it ended up. But my first thoughts on this book were that whole, this brutal competition that they were talking about. That lasted a very long time. It did. It was like two thirds of the book almost. I I know. I was just like, wow, it was very Lord of the Flies. Yeah, I it was like Lord of the Flies and the Hunger Games had a baby. It made this. Yes. Book. <laughs> um, and, you know, a little bit of like Greek mythology on top of it, because, you know, where everybody is doing things for the gods or and in this case, they were actual people. They were golds that were kind of overlooking everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a weird book. So I started reading this book and I, I got it. I don't know. Like, it was probably the first third of the book. And I was like, so bored with it. And it's like, I get it. They're world building and they have to let you know everything that's going on and this character development as to why he's doing this. But it was just like, boring. Oh, I know. Like, the, <laughs> the thing about the Laurel... And, um, you know, like his group was trying to win that uh, award uh, yeah. for uh, mining the most helium three or whatever it is called. Yeah. And I was like, okay, geez. I mean, yeah. And, <laughs> so uh, yeah, it just kept going on and on and on. Yeah. So and know, not in a good way either. Like just. Meh. Yeah. So the very beginning and I can I'll put this into terms that Harry Potter fans will know. So let's say you were you're earning your house points. Okay? You're yep. earning your house points and uh Darrow is like a hell miner. Is that what they were called? Hell miners? Hell diver. Hell diver. So uh they just go in lava and mine this particular ore. Yeah, he's got like the most dangerous job of the different miners, like everything they do, like if they hit a pocket of gas wrong, they'll all blow up and die. Yeah. And they're given uh, sling blades, which is like, it sounds like it looks a lot like a a scythe. Mm -hmm. That's what I saw it as well. Yeah, to cut your own limbs off in case you got stuck. Just in case. Just in case. It's just like, ooh, that's just, that sounds (laughs) awful. But I... 
you're still going to probably bleed to death before you can get up to the surface. But I guess you won't kill everyone. Uh, we won't kill everyone else with you. Oh, no. They said it would cauterize because it was so hot. It would just like ah, instantly cauterize. Gotcha. Crazy, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So you, you get you find out that this is, you know, this is a really harsh life that this red miner is doing. And they're just doing it to get this mineral in order to terraform Mars for future generations. And they've been down there for like 500 years, I think. It's- yeah, it's a really it's a really long time. And this this contest that they're trying to do, the winner of the house points, if you will, I think they just get like extra food. food. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like Hunger Games. Like, oh, put your name in the in the goblet of fire here and you'll get more oil and terrible grain. Yeah. And so the first lesson we learn about how unfair it is, is that Darrow's team won. They had all of the points. They had all of the house points. And then Dumbledore at the last minute said, oh, you know what? And 150 for Gryffindor. For no reason. For yeah. no reason. And <laughs> <laughs> flipped the thing. And they're like, son of a bitch. So, yeah, because he's like, there. there is a caste system even within the caste system. So they're like the high reds and then like a low red. And I guess he's like the lowest of the low reds. Their group is really low red. And like some of the higher reds are like slightly like they're overseers or. Yeah. And it sounded like the low reds did not know they were slaves. They thought they were doing this by choice of their family to. I honestly think everyone who actually lives underground on Mars believes that this is what they're doing. Like this is their manifest destiny pushing through to make this a better a better life. I don't think any of them know. I mean, obviously, the go- the golds that come in from, you know, wherever. And other they planets. Know. Yeah. But I don't think anybody knows. I think that's why they killed his, uh, his wife was because she found out. And, uh, you know, they don't want the secret out because then everybody would, you know, slaves tend to revolt when they realize that they are, in fact, slaves. Yeah. So... Real interesting, kind of really interesting premise right off the top. It, it it took a long time to get there, but you had to understand that uh, the entire switch in mentality that happened for Darrow at this time, right? He would just got married. He was happy. You know, his wife. He's was, also 16, just yeah, for young. anybody out there counting. Yeah. And he's been married for like two years. So he's been married since he was 14. Gross. <laughs> I just think about my niece who's 11. I'm like, mm-mm, no. Mm-mm. Well, I think that's because their their lifespan was so short, especially that of a hell well, yeah. But yeah. still very disturbing. Well, again, what do you have to grow up for if you live under the surface of Mars and you dig in a hole all day? I don't know. Yep. And uh, what I liked about this is that uh, the Reds, they actually still kept a bit of their personality or kept a, their heritage and culture going from... Uh, generation to generation through song and dance mm-hmm. and in fact one yeah. one of the songs was so uh it talked about a pre- uh, being oppressed and then breaking your chains and going after the gold and because but that one was the uh forbidden song wasn't it yes it was forbidden and the reason why is i assume because it really said hey we're slaves um, inciting riot exactly and so uh if you sang it you would be executed that was the kind of the rule and their their execution of choice was hanging yeah so something happens i don't know well, darrow's the, wife is yeah the weird part about out. hanging on mars is because of the low gravity they make you'll just sit there and just slowly suffocate you won't it yes. won't snap your neck and so yeah at, it's up to your family members to basically pull on you to snap your neck so that you don't have to suffer for a long time it's just terrible like it just it just sounds awful 
Yeah. So his wife finds a way to the surface. She climbs out some kind of air shaft and realizes it's not what they thought it was. And yeah, they got caught up. They got caught up there. That was for the high reds, and it was like Mm -hmm. a terraformed area. It wasn't even the surface. It was just a a smaller area. And she's like, they're allowed to be up here and we're not. And so that's when she started talking about the fact that they weren't free. And he's like, oh, yeah, we're free. (laughs) (laughs) Free to die. And then they were free. And then they got caught and they got lashings, which took five or six days in jail. And when um, after he got his lashings, he was fine. But then he watched her get her lashings and he was having a tough time with it. But then he saw her like this rage inside her and then she started to sing the song and he's like oh my god no and so they hung her yeah they hung her and he's the one who had to pull on her to snap her neck to kill her so you know that's got to eat at your brain it's yeah. like you know you're doing someone a favor by doing that however <laughs> yeah you still are kind of the one who delivers the the killing blow so it's you know that's kind of like a really evil way to get people to take out their own people yeah it was really disturbing and uh you know when he found out though he knew about this uh this garden and he said i'm gonna bury her now apparently nobody no reds have been buried in um generations where would they bury them they're already underground exactly well you know and so it was like this old right to to be able to bury your loved ones and so he took her body and took it to that little garden area that they got caught in and buried her and got up the next morning and he was uh, sentenced to death. Mm-hmm. They were going to hang him as well. Yep. And, and they he's did. got this weird, <laughs> weird, crazy uncle that I guess used to be a hell diver. I guess taught him how to be a hell diver. And I guess he's he's probably in his like late 20s or early 30s. So, you know, he's like an old man in this society. Yep. And uh, basically, it's his responsibility to snap Darrow's neck. Now, does he sing the song too when he's being hung? No, I can't remember. I don't think he did. I but he just knew he was going to die, and so he went. He when he buried her, he was he basically wrote his own death sentence. Yeah, and uh, his uncle was like, "Hey, you know, you have to do what you have to do." He gave him something. And that's where yeah he 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 like slips him a Mickey. Yes, he roofies him. Yeah, and he's all like weird and doesn't know what's going on. Like he's everything's all yeah. And so he gets hung. And I guess they yeah and they hang him and his uncle like holds on to his legs but doesn't pull pull them. So the the next thing you know you know so that's the end of the chapter. You're like all right he's dead and actually Darrow wakes up. He's, <laughs> you're like book over yeah. Like, that was quick. Um, yeah. Darrow's alive. He wakes up underground. He digs himself out. I think that's what happened. Or somebody digged him out. One of the two. I don't think they, again, I don't think they bury them. So I think he may have just been in like a cave of oh, death. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I can't really remember. I think I think he just kind of wakes up in the dark and alone and not really understanding what's happening. Yeah. And then. Yeah. The, the specifics around that point were, are not really, muddy. they're they're not really required. The important thing is he's alive. Like, he's I'm not alive. dead. And he is now in the hands of Ares, which is a... Sons of Ares. Sons of Ares. Well... Yeah, Sons of Ares is the... And they've been hearing about these Sons of Ares on their version of the mandatory TV that everybody has to watch. And they talk about them like they're it's a terrorist organization, right? Yeah. So they're actively trying to, you know, 
bring down the society that they all live in in this, you know, yeah, full of rules and whatever. And so everyone thought, oh, they're terrible, they're terrible. Even, he even Darrow up, thought that until he was... Oh, yeah, yeah, they all did. Because, again, that's the propaganda they're being shown. Um, just like I'm sure, you know, the Empire yeah. <laughs> sees the rebels as a uh, vast terrorist organization because mm, they kind of are. But, uh, yeah, so he he's, he's now under the care of the Sons of Ares and Dancer is the name of the guy who is... He's kind of mentoring him and takes him... And there's a there's a girl that's with him too, yeah. and I cannot for the life of me remember her name now, and I didn't write it down. I'm sure it she'll come up later, but she seems so unimportant this whole time. Yeah, in this book, she's she's really like she goes and gets him out of the hole and takes him to dancer. Dancer now takes him up, and as he's as they're going up, they get in like an elevator and they're going up, and all of a sudden, like bright light, you know, emerges and. You know, he was in that little garden when she's like, oh, that's the best. And then all of a sudden he's out in like a society. So think about like if you lived underground your entire life and all of a sudden somebody brings you up and you're in the middle of like Manhattan. Yeah. Right. So just and he's like up in the skyscraper looking down like, what the fuck? So yeah. So yeah, that's when even the reader didn't know about that at that point. It was just this big you know, 180 degrees, holy crap, they were being exploited down there as slaves, uh, being told they were doing something good for their future humanity, when actually they built Mars up, and they built other planets, and they're actually just continuing to mine for further expansion, and the whole time they're being told that, hey, you're just doing it so that Earthlings have a place to come to Earth, to come live. Uh, Well, and their people, like, escaped to Mars when Earth became overpopulated and kind of destroyed itself. But yeah, they're they're you know, they've been trying to get this place ready so that someone can live on the surface one day. And then to, you know, again, be thrust in the middle of Central Park and go, ha, this has been here way longer than you have. Uh, you know, this this obviously incites some rage into him because yeah. one, his wife has already died. And she knew something was going on, even though she didn't know the full extent of it. So now he's got this Batman vengeance thing that wants to happen, right? Yeah. So Dancer decides that this guy is strong. He's smart. um, You know, he's and he's, you know, driven. So they're actually going to take him to uh, Mickey, who is a carver. Yeah. Um, And that's like a that's like a blue level that everybody has different. He's violet. Yeah, Yeah, he's he's a violet. So they take him to Mickey, and you don't really understand what they're kind of talking about at first. And it takes a little while to figure it out. Basically, a carver does exactly what it sounds like. He goes like in, surgery. and they yeah. genetically and surgically modify humans so that, you know, in this case, so that they can portray a different cast than what they're born to. Yeah. Well, that's what they did in this case. But in general, they, like, help golds keep their svelte appearance. They do liposuction on them and right they uh, make the pinks more sexy blah blah exactly blah. and they they actually install wings it's a plastic surgeon yeah basically they install wings on the gold so they can fly and what or look like they can fly and they're 
it's a it's a plastic surgeon, but I don't think, especially this guy, doesn't really seem all that reputable. I mean, he's good. He's really good at what he does. But he kind of seems like that guy in the first Batman movie who was like, you know, redoing the Joker's face <laughs> in a dark alley with dirty utensils. Yeah. That's what I got anyway. Yeah, but he was able to do it. So I the difference between the golds and the reds, from what we can tell physiologically, is um, the color of their eyes, gold versus uh, red. I assume that the golds have blonde hair. And, yeah, I assume that too. Um, and the golds are stronger and can like jump higher and things like that. So I guess the right, reds... they're just kind of genetically superior. Yeah. And I think they've been bred that way and, and carved that way. If, if not, so. But yeah, so and I think he, at some point, he kind of figures out that he's not the first person that they've attempted this with. I think I cannot remember the exact number, but there's been there's been a fair few that they have tried, but they always fail the test and they can't pass as a gold because that's the only way that they can infiltrate this highest level of this caste system so that they can try to yeah take over the world or, you know, at least gain their freedom in some capacity. Yeah. So every gold has to... Um if you want to work in government or you want to work uh, to be the highest level of a gold, you've got to uh, get into like their military school or whatever the hell it's called. The Institute. The Institute. And it requires a placement exam and just basic knowledge. Apparently this is, you know, like the matrix where you can plug in the basic knowledge in, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it takes so much less. I mean, it's just time saving. Exactly. But uh, there were also there's also logic problems that you know aren't something that you could read or naturally do. But luckily, well, not something you can really learn. Yeah. So luckily, Daryl really has that ability to naturally understand the logic behind those puzzles, and he was able to do very well on them. Um, but I think that's part of the reason why he's a you know why he's selected as a hell diver is because he's got that ability to figure things out, to work out puzzles and problems and to, you know, solve problems very quickly when something unexpected arises. Yeah. So he had a natural inability or a natural ability, but they also have this guy, Mateo, who's a pink. And now the pink is like, this is the pleasure cast, right? Like they, they are basically bred and carved and everything to, I guess they're the hookers of the, yeah, like, <laughs> or the I sex think slaves that they or whatever. Would have like some kind of artsy, uh, like, uh, entertainment too, but it didn't sound like that. It sounded like it was all just sex and being It sounded a butler. like they were just yeah. sex, you know, used for sex and that kind of thing. So that was kind of disturbing. Yeah. But anyway, so Mateo, uh, to me, in the writing sounds very flamboyant, right? Yeah. Um, you know, smacking him around when he's not doing stuff right. But he's the one who's supposed to teach him how to be a gold, right? Yes. Because these pinks have, you know, spent a lot of time with the golds because obviously that's who's, you know, sexing them. And so, you know, he has to teach him all of the manners and changing the way that he speaks and the words that he uses because there are certain things that are going to be a dead giveaway that he is... Like bloody hell. Yeah. Bloody hell and uh, is... A dead there was another one that too that was, yeah. There was there was something else. No, bloody damn. That's what it was. Damn. Bloody damn. Oh yeah, that's what. So, and then, but because the gold say, gob damn or something. Gory, gory, gory damn, gory damn. Something. Stupid. Yeah, this fucking weird words. So anyway, so bloody damn is going to give you ways of red. So you got to change the way you think and speak to gory damn, and you know those kind of things. So he gets, you know, he gets up and he goes and takes the test and come back and I guess there's a wait 
period? Because it sounds like it's not just like an academic test, that there's also a physical endurance test. I think they strip him naked and make him sit somewhere for a long time. Yeah. And um, there's some sort of genetic testing as well. You know, and that's part of what the carver has to do is to infuse and splice these things together so that they pass muster. Yeah, he had to even change uh, his bone density and all kinds of yeah. weird things. It was Well, they were giving him the steroids and he's, you know, bulking up and beefing up and just becoming this extraordinary specimen of a human, you know, like he kind of went from like normal guy, but still strong to like, you know, big. Yeah. So I was kind of guy I was picturing in my head when I'm picturing Darrow, I'm picturing starting out as being like um, a mixture between Channing Tatum and Orlando Bloom and then being more like Legolas at the end, but like buff. See, I saw him more like a John Cena at the end, you know, like kind of bulky and big like that. So I don't. But know. I was just thinking. I think it might be the gold. So I just thought of the blonde long hair. Yeah, because I well, couldn't imagine I did a that, big so. bulky guy with blonde long hair. Oh, there's a bunch of them in WWE. So. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> you know, he he gets. You know, they basically come and visit him and say. I guess they want to have like a questioning session with him. They need to interrogate him about this test and they don't tell him why and they don't tell him what he scored on it, but they come in and they ask and, you know, were you being truthful? Did you have anyone help you? Like all of this kind of stuff. And, you know, he's like, no, it's just me, blah, blah, blah. And I guess they ask him some more questions and he goes on his way and then he gets his invitation to the Institute. And I guess when they get to when they go, you know, they kind of go to like a staging ground and get on a ship, I guess. Was it a ship? I can't remember now if it's a ship. I, I, a, yeah, it seemed like a ship. A boat. I don't really remember. I think it was like an aircraft ship of some sort. Like, again, think Hunger Games, how they get them from the point A to point B. Um, and he's in there with a bunch of other golds. Um, who are going to the Institute as well. And some of them are more like him that are kind of genetic specimens. And some of them are kind of weak and scrawny. And, you know, so they, they all go in and he meets, um, he meets Mustang or Virginia is her name, but he'll, he'll call her Mustang later. He meets Mustang on this ship and uh, Cassius as well. I think. I, yeah. Cassius, I always said Cassius. Cassius yeah. Yeah, Cassius. I don't know. Oh, wait, he finds um, out. At what point does he find out that Cassius and the Arch, um, the kings, you know, the family that the main guy is, whose last name is Augustus, um, are, yeah, are rivals? Um, I think, I think he finds that out fairly quickly. For Cassius, does not find out about Mustang's parentage until much later. Yeah. Like, the end. Yeah, so Ca- um, Cassius is, uh, his father is a very important fleet, like Admiral or something. He's very, very powerful. And his family always had a power struggle with the family of the Augustus. So it was like a, a, you know, Montague versus Capulet, right, type thing. They just, these families yep. always fought for power. Yep. And Augustus, though, is the family that sentenced Eo to death. Yes. He's like, I think he, well, I guess he was an admiral of some sort. And then I think there's another regional governor that came into play who's actually the one that sentenced uh, EO to death. So yeah. I, I don't know. But he was, he was there's too many head. names and they're all very Roman sounding mm-hmm. names. Like they his are. new name, he was Darrow. And I think he probably had a last name, but now he's Darrow Ah 
Andromedus. Oh, yes. I forgot so. it was Andromedus. But yes. Very- and they like made up a backstory for his family. Because yeah. obviously it doesn't exist. So you think that it's, um, you think it's going to be fine that he goes into this new world, right? That it's going to be uh, easy now to infiltrate once he's in the military school. But then you, this is when you learn uh, a lot of the issues and the mindset behind them. And really this, the, this gold mindset is that you actually can't get ahead without enslaving people and that you have to tear people down uh, in order to see their few, uh, full potential. And if you do not suffer, that you cannot be a leader. I think our military feels the same way. That's why boot camp is as hard as it is. I know, but this, in this particular Although they, one, have, they have, in their leadership techniques over the years, have had to change because they have actually found through a lot of studies that uh, just barking orders at people is not enough to inspire people to actually do what you tell them to unless they're in, like, time of war. Yes. Where, you, you some, know, where they can't question. But the rest of the time, mm, no. You could benefit from some charismatic leadership. Nobody <laughs> right. told that to the Golds. No. And, you know, once they get into the school, you know, they all kind of meet each other. And they go through a like a ranking system. Yeah, even after, drafted, I guess they have yeah. some, some based on their test scores. And then they do a little bit more once they get there. And I guess it kind of comes out that he outscored... Like everyone on the test, which is why they questioned him and I guess thought he was cheating. Um, So it it kind of like paints a target on his back for some of the people and, you know, makes other people want to ally with him. So, again, very similar to what we saw in the Hunger Games where they rate them, you know, before they go into the death arena. Yeah. And then and then draft them into their different houses. Yeah. And so again, they've got they've got this wide array of people who are in these, you know, in this program. But you have some of them like Cassius's younger brother, I think, um, was like, was it was like on the the far end. Yeah, but he was on like the far bad end, like not high ranking at all. Like skinny, not gonna, you know, he's just not gonna last, you know, when they get into this arena that they're gonna have to go to. And um, and then yeah. there's another one whose name is Severo. Remember Severo? Yeah, the big old guy, right? Oh, he was the wolf guy. Oh, yeah. Who's the one who's like, uh, I envisioned Wormtongue from uh, Lord of the Rings. Okay. Like that's kind of the, but, you know, obviously like 16 version of that. So kind of like slimy and, you know, sallow and just not, not very, yeah. you know, whatever. And uh, so they they basically come in the middle of the night and they like throw a pillowcase over their heads and like beat the snot out of them and then dump them somewhere. Yeah, they throw them into a room and basically give them one wet one. uh, one Naked. They're naked. Naked. Yes. They give them a ring, which is a uh, which is those knife ring things. Apparently they turn into knives. I can't figure out how, but whatever. And that's said that there's you know one for there's just one spot available and you have to kill each other to do it right fight to the death and And unfortunately he is paired up with Caius's younger brother yeah Cassius's Cassius sorry I have all these damn names yeah so he um Cassius brother is kind of a self-entitled 
you know, do you know who my father is? You can't do this to me, blah, 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 blah. And it clicked really, really, really fast for Daryl. It's like, oh, no, this is the whole plan the whole time is that one of us has to kill the other person. And mm-hmm. so Daryl just kills him. He knew yeah. he knew he just have to do it. He did it really quick. <laughs> yeah. And and he left and he told and as he was his internal monologue was telling us what they were doing. He's like, okay, so they're trying to turn us into animals. They're trying to kill people so that we have the guilt on us of killing people. And everybody had to do that. And then I guess everybody ends up meeting in this big grand hall with blood all over them naked. And that's who survived. Yeah, and so Cassius is, you know, there, and he's looking around, waiting for his brother, and it takes a really long time for it to dawn on him that he's not coming back. And, of course, nobody's like, well, I was paired up with so-and-so, because, again, you don't want to be, you know, known as the one who killed this, although every person in there clearly killed someone to get what they wanted. Exactly. So they just kind of keep that hidden. Then the... Then the group comes down these, I don't know if the proctors came down at this point, but proctors kind of just oversee the game. Uh, yeah, some, they kind of live and they live on Mount Olympus up in a cloud. Yeah, it floats. Weird. Um, so then it's just like Survivor, like exactly like Survivor. Yep. Just put 13 uh, houses instead of just the two. Actually, I think they start yep. out on Survivor with like four, right? I don't know. I've never watched it. Yeah, I haven't seen it in many, many years. So it's exactly like Survivor, except for um, the goal, though, instead of just like capturing the flag and capturing points, is you actually touch them with your house standard and you have made these other people slaves. Now, remember, these other people on this are also people that have gone in and killed somebody. So mm-hmm. they're going after tough, smart people and still enslaving them so they really are trying to get the cream of the crop and teach them that see, and it sounds like all oh go ahead uh just to teach them that yes see slavery is how you build yourself up this is you build yourself up on the backs of all these other people yeah and you know it, it he's in house mars and mars is overseen by um yeah, there was a proctor. Uh, Fitchner. Yeah. Fitchner is the name of the proctor for House Mars. And he basically does nothing, this guy. He's like, um, yeah, good luck, and like takes off and leaves. And so basically, House Mars, now all of the houses are, again, it's kind of like your Harry Potter house. Like they're all kind of based around people of similar capabilities, yeah. I guess. So House Mars is like, I, from what I assume, like the brute squad. Basically, yeah, it sounded like these that. are all just like power hungry, you know, very strong, bloodthirsty kind of folks. So you get like Titus and Pax and Roke. Um, so you have all of these these folks in here and they're just, you know, immediately they start ripping into each other. Exactly. You know? Yeah, there's it's the first part of these of this Hunger Games thing is the entire house um, you know, breaking apart, making alliances, doing terrible things, and then you know a leader needs to emerge for House Mars. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was an interesting point where it was either going to be Cassius or Darrow, and Dar- uh, Darrow consist uh, conveniently lets uh, Cassius think that uh, this guy ta- was it Titus. Titus. Yeah, yeah, killed his uh killed his brother because he didn't want to tell him it was him, right? 
because that's mm. awkward. Hey, friend. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, so Titus is a terrible person and he keeps like raping women. Oh, yeah. Every time they bring in a slave from one of the other houses, they're like raping them and all this other creepy stuff. Yeah. So anyway, and the proctors do nothing. They do That's nothing. The thing. Like, they don't give a fuck. They just sit there. and remember they have like a, a like a reasonable margin of how many of these kids can die before they'll and intervene. It was like in something. 30 some odd percent after the culling. So yeah. that's like, you know, you only come back with uh, 30% after the culling. That's 20% is left. That's it. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. I think Daryl basically kind of rises to the leader of House Mars and then realizes he needs to do something about Titus uh, when this happens. And he basically uh, tries to lead and he, he sentences him to death. And yep. instead of him killing him, a la Ned Stark. Uh, he instead allows Cassius to do it out of revenge. Right. And Cassius does. He kills him. Mm-hmm. But at this point... But not before they've had a long kind of standoff feud. Like half of them God. are not living in the castle anymore. It took so you know. long to get to this point. It's I mean, I was like, okay. Ever. The only really cool thing out of this at this point... I mean, there's a lot of cool things, but at this point, uh, Daryl went down to talk to uh, Titus, who was in their, their little prison awaiting his sentencing. And he uh, he's like, I don't know what's wrong with you. You can't do this. And he's like, they didn't have a problem when they were raping my family. And he seemed incoherent. And yeah, he was, uh, there was rubbing dirt he... all over his hair. And he was just going crazy. And... But I think at one point he even says bloody damn. He does say bloody damn. And then he references um, Darrow's weapon of choice, which is a sling blade to the reds. But it's some, it's called something completely different uh, to, right. to the golds. What did they call it? I don't remember. I don't know. Like, it's just, it's like a scythe. And uh, yep. when he referred to it as sling blade and then said bloody damn, he like panicked. He's a red. Yeah. Yeah. And well, they panics. I think that's why, you know, really pushed to have him killed. Yeah. Because he's like, he's going to find me out as a red any minute now. Yeah. He's like, oh, my God, these guys are red. Anyway, so that was a, so you found out. Well, that some of, you know, that, the only that one really brings. Yep. I'm sorry. That really brings a question to mind is if he was also a red. Was he also working with the son of Aries? Like, was he planted in there for a certain rate? Like, how did that? How did that happen? You know, yeah. you'd think if there was like an ally or somebody in there who was similar that you might know about it. Yeah, you'd think they would tell them, but maybe that was a part of the protections. Because Dancer did say that somebody else, they tried with somebody and they went a little, rushed it a little bit too much. So you don't know if they were referring to Titus here or if they were referring to a pre, uh, you know, when you Dead think person. back on it or a previous attempt at this. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, th- I think that will come up later. Probably. Anyway, all of this kind of gets settled. You think, all right, uh, so the guy gets killed and Daryl realized that y- you don't execute using vengeance, which is basically what he did when he allowed Cassius to kill uh, Titus. But uh, so he's slightly holding together the ta- the the castle. I don't know. House mm-hmm. Mars. But... Yep. 
then the proctor it's on it's on the edge of a thread exactly because nobody's really following him they don't see him as a good leader and he understands why now he figured it out um at least he well, learned I, his lesson. I think they did until the titus thing happened yeah that's you're you're right but all of a sudden his proctor comes down and he pushes some button and you can he can't hear anything there's like a force field of no sound yeah and his proctor said I don't know if he did this at the exact same time, but in the grand scheme of things, he talks to the proctor and the proctor said, hey, you think Titus was bad? There's a guy out west that they call the jackal and he makes Titus look like a kitty cat. Yep. You know, Darrow kind of. Well, they you basically you have to be the last house standing is kind of what. Now, they don't want you to go massacre everybody, preferably. Yeah. But uh, you have to like enslave all the houses and get them on your side. Because, again, the whole point of this is how do you become a leader, right? So how do you become the leader of this realm? Well, you do it by taking out all of your competition. Yeah, you do it by force. Now, so when they do this, they start, um, they start figuring that they're going to have to go get some of these other houses for more than just, you know, yeah. playtime, because now they have a, a common enemy that they're going to have to worry about, because apparently the jackal just slaughters everybody. Yes. So, I mean, I think that you've just summarized the next 15, uh, uh, chapters. <laughs> 15 chapters i mean yeah. there was a, a lot of back and forth a lot of back and forth and then um we're starting to hear more from the proctors and the proctors are being well, he gets sneaky. he gets kicked out of his own house first yes um cassius oh, figures out after titus is killed that it actually was darrow who killed his brother exactly and, and so he, he was basically given that information from a proctor via the jackal or from a jackal yes. via a proctor yeah, so the, basically he gets called out on an emergency. Like, your best friend Roke is stuck in a ditch. We need your help. Hurry, hurry, hurry. And they basically pull him out in the middle of nowhere, and, and Cassius yeah. um, ambushes him. Yeah. And, like, stabs him and leaves him for dead in the mud. Exactly. So this is the second time Darrow dies in the thing. <laughs> yep. And, but he's not dead yet. <laughs> yep. And and he is. Uh, he actually gets awoken uh, later by Mustang. Now, we you hadn't heard of Mustang earlier. We kind of smoothed over her, but she is a very cunning primus of House Minerva. And then, Yes, and apparently he uh, he has a thing for her. She reminds him a lot of Eo, so he's he's kind of been interested in her, and then he's got these flagellating, you know, self-deprecating feelings because, you know, his wife has only been dead a, a little while, and now he's already looking at this other girl. Yeah, but she she is... You know, we find out that, you know, she's really cunning and really capable. But um, for some reason, she feels to sa need to save him. But we learn that she is the last member of her house that hasn't been enslaved. I believe that's what happened because she still had the standard. Yeah, she took the standard and bailed, basically, once her entire house was taken over. Yeah. And she's been, like, hiding in a cave or something yeah. like you do. She heals, she heals him. And... Uh, they they develop like a friendship and a kinship and they figure out a way to go after these other houses. And as they do, you know, get better and better and take on slaves, um, they encourage the slaves instead of being slaves to actually, I'll grant you your freedom if you just join me and fight. Right. So as they, t as they, um, so they'll take over one house and take everyone as slaves with the standard um, to keep them from running off. And then whoever proves themselves in the next battle against the next house gets their freedom as long as they're part of, yeah. you know, his army going forward. And then the new house is enslaved. And it just kind of goes like that in a, 
a rotating loop and nobody wants to leave him after yeah because they realize you know he was a kind of shit leader at first and now that he's going through these different steps of well okay killing is not the way and enslaving people is terrible because i've been there um how do we inspire that loyalty and get people moving forward yeah uh he does this actually by uh running into a very similar thing that Titus did. Uh, you know, uh, somebody in his group uh, nearly ra- rapes one of the slaves. And he, uh, this person was kind of pretty pa- powerful in the group. In fact, they had a lot of allies. It was and, Pax, wasn't it? Yes, it was Pax. And yeah. so he, um, he sentenced Pax to 40 lashes. And this was about to start a civil war. Because the group that, you know, the girl that almost got raped, her group was like, you better do something. And then Pax's group is like, you better not do anything, right? Right. He couldn't figure out what to do. So he sentenced him to 40 lashes. And then he said, you're in my army. You represent me. So therefore, I also have to get 40 lashes. Um, and Pax gave them to him. Yeah. Well, he started to. And then he uh, only gave him, didn't give him uh, hard enough. And so he made everybody give him these. And I, this inspired the group. They understood that this leader believed that they were all a team and they were all in it together. And after that, there was no questioning their loyalty to Darrow. Yeah. Cause they saw that, you know, they saw that he was willing to, you know, be in the trenches with them, right? He's not just going to be their overlord. He's one of them. And he's also taking responsibility fully for his actions and the actions of those who represent him. So yeah. which um, comes in handy. But this is this. Yeah, this is when you know, like you said the proctors are starting to get involved because they don't like Darrow. No. And they all have their own because as their houses are getting knocked out. Now they just have time to sit around and make mischief. Um, uh, so they, but they all kind of want the jackal, I think, to win this. And that the goal beyond this is basically to get out of this arena and go into an apprenticeship, right? To, yeah. to get out there and get the good job going forward. That's going to take you, um, you're going to get sponsored basically by one of these high gold families or enterprises. And so they really want this, you know, the jackal because he's ruthless and he's probably the son of so-and-so and and whatever. They want this person to come out on top. So now they're trying to start fixing the game. And it turns out that um, these proctors have to impress some kind of, was it a board of directors or it was the governors, right? The governors. And the high governor, Augustus, is the one that, um, you know, we talked about a little bit earlier. It turns out the jackal is his son. And apparently he has bribed some of the proctors to allow his son to get ahead higher so his son could succeed him in this high power uh, governorship. Yep. And so that's why we find we find this out through Fil- Filter? Who was his name? Uh, his name is Fitchner. Fitchner. We find this out through Fitchner. Uh, we also figure out that uh, the wolf kid, Severo, yeah. is the son of uh, uh, this proctor. Yeah. Uh, which is probably why he's as vicious as he is. And he has now gathered this group uh, together that are called the Howlers. And they're basically a wolf pack, yeah. but people. So they kind of go around and make mischief. And they're usually the flankers, right? So yep. army goes in one way. They've already snuck around and flanked from behind and yeah, they ha- keep them. Yeah, they are the ones, they think in advance of it. And you don't see them till the end. Uh, they're very much like a special ops kind of group. Yeah. So and that's, and, that's what they do. Is, 
And they go out and do a lot of recon and get the information. And they are basically Darrow's personal bodyguards. They take it very, very seriously. Yep. And uh, so we find out that they, all the proctors do not want the governors to know about that they've been bribed. But they also are pushing towards Jackal uh, winning the whole thing. And he finds out that the Jackal is in House Pluto. And House Jupiter is the next biggest house. And he does two big attacks to get down Jackal. Yep. And he does. He succeeds. He gets uh, Pluto. Or he gets Jupiter. Well, remember, they, they went to Jupiter or they went to Pluto, whichever one it was. They went to it and they find what's left of it, right? There's like one yeah. guy there who's like hiding in a closet or yeah. something. And so they take this guy in with them when they're doing, you know, they've taken over the castle and, you know, put their flag up, their standard up or whatever. And so they bring him in and they're talking to him and all of this stuff. And everyone kind of goes away and sneaks off and Mustang leaves. And so, you know, she comes in and she sees the guy and she just kind of looks at him and turns around and leaves. Yeah. And then, you know, the howlers are like, oh, big fake yawn. We're going to bed. Uh, yeah, everybody, stomp, pretend, stomp, everybody stomp. got drunk and went to bed. Everybody gets drunk and then they, they disappear. And Darrow is left talking with this guy and finally just kind of confronts him and goes, hey, FYI, <laughs> I know you're the jackal. Yeah. And, and he is. Yep, so. <laughs> he is. Uh, he was. But able- this is when all of his people kind of spring back into. Yeah, they're they're all awake. Action. Yeah, yeah. They weren't. They weren't so. really drunk, and um, and so they go after the jackal, and it. Oh, this is really gross because they stabbed him, his hand to the table, um, mm-hmm. with a giant knife that went eleven inches through the table, so he wasn't yep. able to get it off. And he said, "You know what? You can get your freedom if you cut your own hand off." And he starts to cut his own hand off. Ah, okay. Yeah. And um, I know it's disgusting. And once he got There's to a the, lot of really gross shit in this book. Yeah. Once he got to the point where he needed to like snap his own hands. Um, it was Servo, right? That said, here, dude, here's a big knife. Just chop it yeah. off. And yeah. he's like, thank you. Just do it. And he chops, he chops his hand off and then stabs Servo. Right. And it would wait. He's okay. Yeah. No, he died. <laughs> they're they're also club. Huh? He died. No, no. Servo makes it up okay. to Mount Olympus with him. All right, it was somebody else then. Somebody big yeah. deal died. I can't remember his name. Oh, Pax. It was oh, Pax. Oh, Pax died. Yes, it was Pax. Yeah, so at this point, Pax has now become like the number one guy with him, right? Yeah. Like this is his second in command, his most loyal person, blah, blah, blah. Um, but now he's, you know, he gets stabbed and he's dead. Oh, it was sad because. Yeah. So now he's, he's got more quest for justice. Yep. And uh, Mustang has also gone missing at this point. Yeah. Um, she went to try to, I guess, round up the last of the Jackal's men who were hiding in the castle. And all of a sudden she's, or he gets a visit from Fitchner, the proctor, who puts him in the sound bubble so that the other proctors can't hear, you know, what they're talking about. And uh, basically he says, yeah, they got Mustang and they took her up to Mount Olympus and all these proctors are in on this shit. And he, this is when he realizes that Severo is his son. Um, and then he knocks him out and <laughs> takes he his hates little jetpack yeah. thing yep. so that he can go up to uh, to Mount Olympus yeah. and 
take on these proctors. Because he realizes he's never going to deal with the jackal until he deals with these people who are trying to interfere. Yeah. Um, You know, at this point, he's gathered enough stuff to be able to get him grav boots and, uh, you know, whatever. Enough to get, like, eight people up to Mount Olympus, or which is flying over the city. And he's like, you know what? We're just (laughs) taking it out. And yeah, he takes the wolf pack and basically just packs them on his back and his arms and his legs. And he just rockets up to, uh, <laughs> to, yep. to Olympus. Yeah, so they weren't expecting Which that. Is, just a, a, like I would like to see this when the movie comes out because you know, know there'll be one one day. Yeah. Um, but any overthrows it. I mean, there really wasn't much fanfare here. There was only like seven people up there. And they were like, how dare yeah, you no, do Half this? of them were like drunk and in a bath. And, yeah. You know, they're like, I'm a gold. A you can't do this. And he's like, watch me. And then he was like, <laughs> right. throwing he's like them we're off. all golds here. Yeah. So, yeah. So he gets up there and they take over Mount Olympus and they find Mustang. And now she's okay. She has not been really harmed in any way. She's, I think she was even fighting back and whatever. So, Um, They get her and then they realize that they have to go, they have to go after the jackal and they're going to have to kill him. Yeah, they still had to take, they had to take over one last house too. Yeah. And uh, so they go back and now I, I I don't, I'm sorry if the timing of this gets all kind of confusing, but it really was, they overthrew something that he found out while he was up there that Mustang was down taking care of some other stuff for him. And that's when the proctor said, oh, you know, the Mustang, yeah, she's the jackal's sister. Mm, twin sister. Twin sister. And you just sent her Mom. off with all of your army. And now you're here by yourself. And guess who's going to be? her, yeah. <laughs> and he was like, she's not. Oh, my yeah. God, I trusted her. Yeah, so then he's got a big internal monologue about that. Well, yeah. Women are evil. So he runs back down to Earth. I don't know. It jumps off. Whatever he does, he goes back down. He goes to his old house, Mars, because that's the last house standing to, to go and take it over. And he's and he sees Mustang with his whole group with a whole bunch of slaves behind her. And he's like, oh, my God, she took over everything. And he and she said, I pledge my loyalty to you, Darrow. And actually right, exactly. just hands it over to him. And we all thought she was going to betray him. Right. Mm hmm. And so did she. So did he. In fact, she kind of forgave him for thinking that. Well, you know, nice of her. Yeah. I mean, I could see it, though. I mean, if it would look that way. So you have to kind of take it with a grain of salt because you could have said, hey, by the, the way, the time. jackal's my brother. The whole time. She could have said that the whole time. So she's still fucking lying to him the entire time. Yeah, that's a very good point. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, he he ends up winning and it kind of just breaks the all of the governors come down and congratulate. Now, what did what did they do with the jackal? I'm trying to remember. Did I they kill know. him or did he just he, strip no, him he just naked? Has, he just has no hand. Yeah, I think he stripped him naked or something. I don't know. What something that was kind of humiliating and like put the standard on his forehead and made him a slave or so I don't yeah. really remember. But it was basically, you know, I'm going to put you down yeah. kind of thing. So basically So Darrow wins. Yeah. <sighs> There's, there's a lot of fanfare at the end of this. And the jackal's dad comes down. Also Mustang's father. And <laughs> now they are estranged. So that's that's something that, you know, does come out after that. That, yes, they're twins, but they don't get along and they haven't talked in a really long time. Yeah. And, um, you know, everybody's bidding over who gets Darrow at their apprenticeship. And then Augustus comes down and he's like... Yeah, so 
I would like you to be my uh, apprentice, and it's more important to me than all the family, and I know that the jackal can't do anything now because he just has the one hand, so... Well, I think he, he had been planning on trying to get a different, like, internship, and this guy came down, and he's kind of like, hey... You know, I know what you did and I know who you are, but I want you because I don't trust these other yahoos as much. Yeah. And uh, so he's like, yeah, weird. as long as you help me do something. I don't really remember well, what at it was first he, he said, wanted him to do. He said, I only am asking you one thing. And he said, you want me to stop dating your daughter or something like that? And he's like, no. Yeah. I, I <laughs> he's think, like, I don't care. Yeah. I, he, I I like golds reading with other golds. Like, I'm like, oh, right. gross. <laughs> I know. I'd, I'd be like, dad. Come on. She's kind of an old maid at 16, though, I'm going to say. She's not already married. Mm, yeah. But, uh, and, you know, he realizes that uh, the, the best way in is to be part of the Augustus, even though he hates Augustus and he blames him directly for his wife's death, uh, that he's like, the only way to make influence is to take this apprenticeship. And the scene. <laughs> it was a really fucking long book. I don't even know how many pages it was, but it felt like it just went on forever. It was like 18 hours. I'm a f- I mean, I'm a fast reader. I mean, that's up there with like American Gods. I mean, it's fucking ridiculously long. Maybe we yeah. should look at book length before we start covering them for the bo- podcast but, in the future. All right. So, you know, in the grand scheme. Th- oh, by the way, just to get a recommendation out there. The audio book version of this is awesome the guy that sing, uh, that uh, narrates it is scottish and then he slowly kind of becomes less scottish in his voice as daryl becomes red to gold it's very awesome oh that's cool and then, yeah i read this one i got it at the library and they didn't have an audiobook version so yeah. what's even better about the audiobook is at the very end they have a beautiful it sounded you know irish or scottish a folk song that was the song and it sung you know beautifully like somebody just recorded it and sang it it was awesome oh that's awesome so so what did you think overall of this book i know we didn't start out loving it what did you think by the end oh i liked it i think i want to uh get the the, i'm gonna get the next book yeah i i no 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 i'm a little bit on the fence like i definitely got into it more as you know the the time went on and i really I didn't hate it at the end. I'm not gonna say I loved it either. But yeah, I think I'll probably read the next one just to kind of see yeah. where it's going and if it gets any better. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And hopefully now it's, you know, it's kind of hard to like really appreciate it when it's kind of a game at the beginning. Yeah. And so I'm hoping he gets into some real stuff and not any of this uh, war games. Yeah, so we'll see because he'll, he'll be doing actual real work in the real world now. Yeah. In his apprenticeship. So well, so, you know, it's something. You know, it's it was interesting. It was a mixture of a lot of different type of genres. So you, you felt a lot of familiarity, you know, specifically Hunger Games, this, yep. you know, overthrowing the oppressor. Uh, yep. Very similar. But I did like the kind of uh, Roman mythology kick to it. That was kind of fun. Yeah. And it was neat. Yeah. I, th- I thought it was cool. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, it's it's a different kind of book than what we usually read for our book clubs. And it was definitely interesting to get into a new subset of the genre or whatnot. Yeah. So it's cool. And um, just an FYI, this did actually get sold with his movie rights in 2014 or 15 or something like that. Maybe 16. Mm-hmm. And uh, 14. Universal didn't do anything with it. And so the rights went back to uh, the, the author after two years. 
And rumor last May or something, he talked about that it looked like it may become a TV series. And I think it would be more appropriate as a TV series because you could really, yeah, um, you know, we can flush it out a little exactly. better than you can in just a two hour narrative. You'd really lose it in two hours because there was so much that happened here and you could really learn. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. I'm with you. So very interesting. Right. Anything particular uh, strike your fancy uh, about this or... No, no, <laughs> no, I, I very much uh, immediately read into it as Lord of the Flies and Hunger Games. Like it was very similar to some of these other dystopian uh, type of situations that we've seen. Yeah. But with its own, its own slightly unique twist. Yeah. And uh, I did like the fact that they use dance and uh, to communicate and to uh, tell the yeah, stories nice. of their people. Even the golds did that. You know, it wasn't necessarily just the reds yep. so i i like that i thought that was kind of fun i'd like to see how that gets translated uh on mm-hmm. the uh television but i could really see this be a movie or a tv movie like you know yeah absolutely and again i think like Mer- american gods it has to be something that's done in that format oh, speaking of that i'm gonna send you american gods but it's a little different they cut oh, yeah. out big chunks of it so i don't know how they're gonna do that well they have another series coming season coming up so yeah who knows? We'll I didn't, yeah, I haven't seen any of it, so. Yep, I'll send you the DVDs. Cool, that'd be awesome. I really recommend the audiobook. I enjoyed it. Uh, I did find a a one-star review and a five-star review. Oh, I'd like that to hear That are almost identical. Okay, awesome. <laughs> Let's hear them. So uh, the one-star review says, like reading Lord of the Flies set on Mars. Yep. And then the five-star review said, if Game of Thrones and Ender's Game had a child, it would be this book. So, <laughs> I was like, I, I just think it's funny that almost the exact same kind of review, yeah. but two very different opinions on how good or bad that was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it's like it. exactly like the Hunger Games. That sucks, you know, kind of versus, it, oh, well, I like the Hunger Games. So. Exactly. Well, awesome. Thank you for that. So I think our, our next book club, which we should probably announce now so you can start reading, I think it's going to, we're going to get back to our Harry Potter reread. Yeah, we're on and hit uh, ha- book three. Yes, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban is what we will be checking out next. So you pull it back out, dust it off and give it another read because we like to go in depth with our Harry Potter book clubs. All right. So let us know what you thought about the Red Rising book, if you've read it or if you've read more into it. I know that Kitty has. Um, She's one of our Patreons and awesome friend of the show. Uh, Yes. But uh, I know that uh, she said that she really enjoyed it for a few books and then it kind of faded away for her. So we'll see what happens. I'm going to read into it. I'll probably see if I have the same opinion as her. Okay, so one other thing we want to do on this episode, we want to give a shout out since you brought it up to our awesome patrons over on Patreon. Uh, We have been meaning to do this and we just have not uh, gotten a chance. So we've gotten quite a few lately that are super awesome. So I want to give everybody a shout. Uh, So that's Carol Price, uh, our awesome friend Chelsea up in uh, Canada, Uh, Steve and Izzy over at Everything I Learned from Movies. Our awesome girl, Kitty. Now, Kitty's been on the show, was it, like six times? Maybe more. Uh, Mario from the Superiority Complex. Marsha Roberts from Houston Bucket List. uh, Our very own Opera Man. And I think the other one is, so I'm watching this show. Another podcast is supporting us, which is amazing. Ah. 
And if you want to support us as well, you can go to patreon.com slash nerdy bitches. And I'm going to be changing up the reward levels a little bit. Right now, anybody who signs up at the $2 level is going to be getting like a button and some stickers from us. So make sure you sign up and help us out. Keeps the lights on and it gets us to where we can actually do a lot more fun stuff. Yeah. And I'm sure that uh, we're going to have a lot more opportunity to, uh, to talk to y'all and make sure to also jump onto our Facebook group and give us comments. And if they are good comments and fun comments, we will make sure to talk about them on the episodes. Absolutely. We love interacting with you guys and especially on Twitter and Instagram everywhere else. So follow us on Twitter. We are at Nerdy Bitches Pod. Facebook, just type in Nerdy Bitches Podcast and this uh, Twitter no, excuse me, Instagram and Pinterest are both at nerdy bitches, though we haven't really done anything with Pinterest in a while. Maybe we should do I that. I know, I keep meaning to, my bad. <laughs> I was I was putting all the episodes on there at one point and lost track, and now I think we have, you know, 50 or 60 more episodes, so have to catch if back up. If you want to check out my personal Pinterest page, you can see lots of light fixtures, because that's what I've been. <laughs> yeah, my personal Pinterest is a mixed bag of nuts. And it's got a ridiculous number of followers. Like I actually have like 7,300 followers on Pinterest that showed up in about a three month span for no reason at all. So weird. Yeah. Well, a lot of people are interested in my repinning the one pot meals. Ah, So yes, there you go. Like I said, I I got a lot of those. So we'll have to figure out how to use that. That's my claim to fame. (laughs) I was like, are we trying to figure out how to get our one pot meal followers to listen to our (laughs) Now you know where they are. Instapot. If let's you go. like this spaghetti, you're going to love Nerdy Bitches Podcast. <laughs> well, of course. Yeah. <laughs> People are like, what's, right. what's your podcast about? It's like, it's Nerdy Bitches Podcast. It's about exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> yep. So anyway, um, we're a mix, I think that's all we've got going on for this We're a mixed bag of bitches time. here. I'm sorry? We're a mixed bag of bitches. We are a mixed bag of bitches. Anywho, I all guess right. we will uh, see you guys next time. See you. Hey. Do you like movies? Hey, do you like podcasts? If you do, then come on down and listen to the Home Video Hustle podcast, homie. Hustle, hustle. Every Friday, we talk about whatever movie PJ picks out the bag. What does that mean? Well, every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I pick a bunch of movies at random. Sometimes there's a theme to it, sometimes not. PJ picks the movie out, and guess what? We watch it on Friday. We talk about it for about maybe an hour, hour and a half, whatever we feel like doing. Might give you something good to watch, baby. Come on down every Friday. So come get your hustle on with Home Video Hustle. You can find the show on any podcatcher app, or you can come down to homevideohustle.poppin.com. All of them in one place for you. So you can go ahead and binge it like it's Netflix. We ain't the defenders. Uh, but I like to think we a little bit better than that. <laughs> come out at your boys, man. Come chill with us. Peace. Peace. Music provided by www.bensound.com and please email feedback to contact us at nerdybitches.com. I feel like I've been podcasting my ass off.